Let's pray. Father, your word is your word to us. It's a source of life. It's our instruction manual. It's you speaking to us so we can understand you better, know you better, hear from you better, see your heart for us. So, Father, now as we look at your word, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive, our eyes to see, our minds to understand. Come and bring revelation to us this morning, Father. Through your Holy Spirit, speak spirit to spirit as I bring your word to us. And I just pray that you would use me as that instrument this morning. And if I say anything that's not of you, Lord, just remove that from people's hearts and minds. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, we continue the series on lessons from the life of David, and today we finally get to meet David when David is anointed as king. Last week we saw how Saul was chosen and anointed as the first king of Israel, and how initially he did well in drawing the tribes together to become a more cohesive nation, but then things began to unravel. He feared man more than he feared God, and this led him to do things he was not anointed to do. Because of the choices he made and the actions he took, he was told that the kingdom would be removed from his family line and given to another family line, another man, a man after God's own heart. It seems like Saul was insecure in, all, in, in who he was, even though he had been anointed as king. And he always wanted to look good in the eyes of those around him. And I think so often we're all like that. We all want to look good to the people around us. No one wants to look bad in the eyes of their peers, family, or friends. But that cannot be at the expense of disobeying God. Saul and Samuel part ways. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. 1 Samuel 15, 34 and 35. Now, I don't believe any one of us wants to have God regret that he has appointed us to a position, no matter its level, because we are too insecure to be who God created us to be and to do what God has anointed us to do and to wait for God's timing for things to happen. The crazy thing about God tearing the kingdom away from Saul's family line is that he did not take the position of king away from Saul right away. Saul continued to reign right up to his death many, many years later. Now, even though Saul is to remain as king for the duration of his lifetime, God tells Samuel to go and anoint the next king. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. 
1 Samuel 16 and verse 1. So Samuel goes to Bethlehem and declares that he's come to sacrifice to the Lord and he invites Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice. He did this to allay any suspicions as to why Samuel was in Bethlehem. And this time the, the selection process was done differently. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks, at, looks on the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 6-7. Now, this is so true of mankind, especially in the modern Western culture that is obsessed with body shape and looking perfect, whatever that is. And also, who decides what, who decides what perfect is. Unfortunately, modern Western culture has influenced us so much that without us even realizing it, that it puts so much pressure on young people, both those that are blessed with beauty or good looks, as well as those who do not fit into that category. Again, who decides what's beautiful and what's good-looking? Not all cultures are the same when it comes to determining what body shape is desirable or not. When we were living in Malawi, we were often complimented for being overweight. I can remember we came back from our first time of going on holiday after three years in Malawi, and we had six, week in, six weeks in South Africa, and we were having breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, pre-dinner meetings with people, dinner, and all sorts of things for nearly six weeks. And I went back quite a bit overweight. And we got there, and one of the Malawian leaders said, ah, you fat. And uh, I said, no, I am. But for him, that was a compliment. He was not criticizing me. He was complimenting me that I was fat. Because in Malawi, there was the scourge of HIV AIDS at that time. And it was, it was known as Slim's disease. Because when you got HIV AIDS, you lost weight and you ended up as a skeleton. Literally a living skeleton. Skin and bones and little muscle over your skeleton. And so for, to be overweight, it meant that you were healthy, that you could afford to eat so you were wealthy, and it was meant as a compliment, not... As, as something derogatory. It wasn't putting me down. It was saying, well done. You know, you've looked after well, and you're well fed. And so that was a compliment. And um, very different culture from the Western culture. On Saturday, the 11th of April, 2009, cast your mind back. Any of you can remember this. A 47-year-old, slightly overweight woman with short, curly, graying hair walked onto the stage to audition for Britain's Got Talent. She did not look like a potential singing superstar. And who, as Amanda Holden, one of the judges said, had everyone against her the moment she stepped onto the stage. And I think I've got to admit that that was me when I saw her. But when she sang, everyone was blown away. They were mesmerized by her voice. And she's now a singing superstar. Her name is Susan Boyle. If you've never watched the YouTube clip of her audition, 
do so. It is amazing. It's incredible. Um, because this is such a wonderful example of man looking on the outside and judging, as so often we do. Before we even get to know the person, whereas God, as Scripture tells us, looks at the heart of the person. The heart in Scripture refers to the person's inward moral and spiritual life, not just the, the organ that pumps the blood around the body. It includes our emotions, our will, and our reason. That's what the heart is. It's not just this organ within us. And this is what drew God to choose David, and not one of his brothers, even though he was not with his father and brothers at the sacrifice. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And if you know anything about um, Jewish culture at that time, being a shepherd was like the lowest of the low. That was the lowest of the low when it comes to jobs. He is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. 1 Samuel 16, 10-13. I just want to read the last verse in the NIV translation. It says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came upon David in power that day. It rushed upon him. I quite like that. You know, it rushed upon him. If you think about the day of Pentecost, there was the noise, the wind and the flames, the rushing sound, and uh, rushed upon him from that day. It was on him from that day onwards. The Holy Spirit didn't go away from David. He was always with him. He was with David from that time onwards. And here we are introduced to David, the shepherd boy, serving his family by being out in the fields with the flock, looking after them, leading them to the green pastures and the still waters, and protecting them, as he was to later write about in his Psalms. Psalm 23, we know so well. David was unfazed that he was not considered to be part of the sacrifice and was content to be serving his father and family by attending the sheep while they celebrated the sacrifice. This is a sign of a humble heart, not someone seeking prominence or position, but willing to obey and serve. This is the type of heart that God was looking for and found in David. David is anointed to be the next king of Israel, and the Spirit of God is upon him. At the same time, the Spirit of God departs from Saul, and he suffers spiritual torment. The anointing to be king is transferred from Saul to David, and this causes issues for Saul. Even though Saul is still king of Israel, and will be for a long time, he no longer carries the anointing. And this, I believe, is the cause of the spiritual attack that he comes under. He is operating in a position for which he no longer carries the anointing. 
In the kingdom of God, when we try and do something that we are not anointed to do, we will nearly always struggle and can suffer spiritual attacks because we are operating outside of our anointing. When you operate within your anointing, things seem so easy. They, they, ha- they happen so easily. Things go well. But when you're operating outside of your anointing, you struggle because that's not what we've been anointed to do. We are all anointed and appointed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make disciples of non-believers, and to go to the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. All of us are anointed and appointed to do that. It's the great commission that God has given us. So you don't need to ask God, am I anointed to share the gospel? Yes, you are, because that's what Jesus said. You're appointed to do that as well. But we are not all anointed to lead a church plant. But you are anointed to go and support those who are church planting. If God lays it on your heart to do so. This is just an example of what I mean by operating under or outside of God's anointing. Some people, if you tell them that God's calling them to church plant, they'll run a mile. Others will try and do it when God's not anointing them to do it. Others will hear God and will do it and can still come under attack and struggle. I mean, we've been here how long and we've seen the church grow and shrink and grow and shrink, but God has been faithful to us. He's not said to us to go elsewhere to do anything else. And we've had affirmation after affirmation that this is where God wants us to be. And it feels like a church plant. It is a church plant. It's still that size. But we are here and we trust we are operating under the anointing of God. The spiritual torment that Saul endures causes his attendants to advise the king to send out servants to find a musician who can play the harp or lyre, depending on which translation you read, um, to be brought to Saul to play when the spiritual attacks are taking place. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, Send me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David remain in my service for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was, and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. 1 Samuel 16, 18-23. The ESV study Bible footnotes, footnotes have this to say about the harmful spirit. A harmful spirit sent by the Lord tormented Saul as a form of judgment for his sin of turning against the Lord. 1 Samuel 15, 22-29 And though God himself never does evil, he sometimes sends evil agents to accomplish his purpose, such as the Babylonians coming to punish Israel or sinful people crucifying Christ. It's always been something that you struggled with, like this evil spirit sent from God. No, God allowed it to happen. God's created all everything, Those evil spirits are under God's control. They cannot defy God and do something that he doesn't allow them to do. And there's times when he uses them to do something to accomplish what he wants done. 
When people reject God, He can no longer pr protect them from the evil in the world. Many non-believers struggle with this aspect of God's nature, where He withdraws His hand and allows things to happen. David comes into the residence of the king to serve the king from whom the favor of God has departed. And he does so even though he has been anointed to be the next king. The future king is brought into the residence of the current king without the current king knowing it. He is brought in to serve the king and he does so willingly. David, by playing the lyre, brought relief to Saul every time he suffered a spiritual attack. When David worshipped, the spiritual attack ceased. That is the power of true worship. Worship that comes from the heart of man to the heart of God. It drives away evil spirits. That is why we need to worship in spirit and in truth. And that's why worship is such an important part of us gathering together. That we worship God. It brings in the presence of God and it drives away those forces that would want to come and, and attack us and try and defeat us. David comes into the court of the king as a boy to serve the king by playing his instrument and worshipping the Lord so that the tormenting spirit would flee. That is the picture that is seen from the outside. This young ex-shepherd who is a talented musician is here to serve the king during these difficult times. But there is more to it than this. And we, with the benefit of hindsight, know that David is brought into the presence of the king, having already been anointed as the future king, to observe and learn what it takes to be king. Because Israel had never had a king, they didn't know what to do as king. And so David, this young shepherd boy, is brought in. He was young and inexperienced, but he was humble and willing to serve and do what God wanted him to do. And that was to serve the current king. So Saul, in his presence, is brought, who is king, this young boy is brought in, the very person who is going to replace him is brought into his presence to learn from him. And Saul doesn't know this at first. We'll see later on how that develops. That God has a plan all along for the smooth transition from the first king to the next one. That David serves Saul as his king. And he learns in the presence of the king what it means to be king. And he, he worships God in the presence of the king. And he brings relief and he brings healing and he brings wholeness into that place. And Saul serves as king but David is there learning and growing and getting ready to become king when the time is right. It's all a matter of timing. Amen. So, some discussion questions. We've got 20 minutes. Um, first one is what stood out for you in this message, as we normally ask, and then... Secondly, what does David serving King Saul tell you about his character? Thirdly, have you ever found yourself in a difficult situation and then cried out to the Lord or worshipped the Lord and the situation changed? Share if you're able to do that, if it's not too traumatic. And then pray for one another. 
can I make a suggestion around the tables, rather than making big groups, that you have smaller groups, three, four people maximum, so that you can talk and discuss things a lot quicker in that way, and you don't stretch out the discussion time. Often we, we talk through one point for so long that uh, we don't get through as many as we can. We don't get to pray for one another. And so if we can do that, that'll be wonderful. For those of you online, thank you for being with us. We tr I trust that you will have a look at these questions, and if you've got somebody with you there, you can discuss them. Otherwise, find someone and watch the video together and then uh, discuss the questions. Those in the hall, carry on. <laughs>